From the Haunted Attraction Network, I'm Philip, and this is a special bonus episode of A Scott in the Dark. This is episode 60, Fearful Fun in Philly, in which Scott explains three very different experiences that he worked on in Philadelphia. We're counting down to Halloween with a 61-day hauntathon of daily podcasts, and we'll see you back here tomorrow for the next one. Enjoy the dark. Yes, welcome back, finally, to the dark. Welcome back to another Scott in the Dark. Uh, my name is Scott Swenson, and this is a Scott in the Dark periodic podcast for haunters with the emphasis on periodic, because it's been a long, long time since I have actually done a recording. Now, if you are watching this, uh, you clearly know that uh, I am not in my normal studio. And actually, if you are listening, you can probably hear the same thing. I am not in Tampa at all, which is my home base. I'm actually recording this from a hotel room in uh, Philadelphia uh, because I'm here as uh, working on a, a project um, that I can talk about a little bit, I suppose. Um, but I'm working on a project with Morrow Productions at the Franklin Institute called Franklin Fright. And I thought since I'm here uh, and I'm finally sort of winding down with the seven, count them, seven, different haunted attractions that I've had some finger in, uh, a bunch of different pumpkin spice flavored pies, um, kind of around the United States, several in Tampa, one in Indianapolis, one here in Philadelphia, um, and then a couple others, eh, other places that I can't, can't go into too much detail. But, um, but what I wanted to do is I've had such a great time here in Philly that I just wanted to do a, a real quick episode from here to talk about three different experiences uh, that I have had within this single day, believe it or not, uh, three different experiences that I think you as my listeners will be interested in. Uh, before I even get into the real topic of today's show, though, I do want to apologize for it being so very long since I have uh, uh, done a show. Um, it, for those of you who listen to the other podcast that I pot, that I co-host, um, which is called Green Tag Theme Park in 30, uh, we've been doing that every week. And by the way, thank you for listening. If you haven't been listening to Green Tag Theme Park in 30, what's wrong with you? Come on, join in the fun. Uh, but no, it's that is designed not just for haunters. That is designed for anybody who is involved in theme park. Um, anyone who is a, a theme park worker, theme park manager, theme park owner. And uh, that also appeals, it also appeals to zoos and other aquariums, museums, that sort of thing. Um, but anyway, I, I want to apologize for not having been doing shows on a regular basis. And it is simply because I have been working like crazy. In fact, in October, I think I have been I think there's only been one week in all of October where I haven't been on the road traveling somewhere. And that was just to open um, Creatures of the Night at Zoo Tampa. So uh, that's that's the story there. And uh, that's why. But uh, don't worry. The podcast has not gone away. There's still stuff to listen to. And I still have plenty. I mean, plenty to say. <laughs> and those of you who know me, know that that's the truth. Um, I've also, I also did some, some stuff on the Haunted Attraction Network called Haunt Hacks, um, which were really short little sort of 
I'll call them niblets of information that uh, hopefully you've been listening to as well. And if not, you can still catch them. It was part of Hauntathon, uh, which was the uh, long lead up to Halloween on the Haunted Attraction Network. Uh, and some of you are listening to this on Haunted Attraction Network, which is is great. So um, enough about the apologies. Enough about you know what I've been what I've been doing and why I haven't been doing this show. Let's talk about what this show is all about. Um, I have been rehearsing and visiting Philadelphia several times throughout the course of the year, and this will be my last visit until November. I think I come back up in November. Um, but I just want to say, first of all, what a great city Philly is. For those of you who know Philadelphia, and I know some of you have contacted me and have reached out, and unfortunately, I've only been able to see just a couple of people while I'm here because I'm working. Uh, but uh, I'm here for the first of the three attractions that I would like to talk about. Uh, the first one is, is Franklin Fright. It is a Halloween event, a very family-friendly Halloween event that I am so proud to have been a part of. Um, it's, it's tons of fun, and I'm not going to talk about my involvement, um, although I was, I've been very much embedded in the creative development of it. Um, but more, I want to talk about what the guest experience is because it is now open. It is now a ton of fun. And it's it, anybody who follows me on Facebook has probably already seen photos of, of some of the goofiness and silliness that's going on there. But uh, it has it has several components that I think are very unique and uh, and really on brand for the Franklin Institute, which if you don't know anything about the Franklin Institute, well, first of all, you've never been to Philadelphia if you don't know anything about the Franklin Institute. But Franklin Institute is a phenomenal science museum um, that gives kids and families the opportunity to learn about science while having a blast, while having a lot of fun. And Franklin Fright is really no different. It gives the families the opportunity to have a little bit of a Halloween flavor while they're still learning and having a great time. Um, this particular event has, uh, well, first of all, it has trick-or-treating throughout uh, the entire museum. And the thing I love about this is they have, they, they have been trying to be as COVID safe as possible. So uh, just like true trick-or-treating, there are doors, little doors all over that have been installed all over the, uh, the museum. And uh, the young guests can come up and knock on the door. And each door is themed. There's a witch door and there's a, a mummy door and there's a scarecrow door. And uh, they are greeted by a costumed um, person who is there to distribute candy. But they distribute candy by sliding it down a chute from inside the door. So there's no physical contact. Um, it really has, I've been watching it as I've been here uh, and I've been watching not just what the, the performers or the, the, the candy, candy distributors are doing, but I've been watching how the guests have been responding. And it's, you know, for those of us who are of a certain age, we'll just leave it at that. For those of us who are a certain age, we remember trick-or-treating and we remember how cool it, it was and how much fun we had. And it is so exciting to see kids have that same experience uh, in a safe and controlled indoor environment. Um, they're they're just they're just giggling and they're showing up in costume to the museum and trick or treating their way 
around to, to different locations. So it's almost like a scavenger hunt for them, which is kind of fun. Um, another element that I'm really, really proud of is um, a show that's called That's Gross. And it explores all the grossness of, uh, of what can be done during Halloween with science experiments. Um, everything from a jack-o'-lantern, which literally um, flames out its mouth and its eyes, which I'm sorry, it's just cool to Ublek to smashing a pumpkin to, um, you know, oh, there's, uh, oh, and, and there's even um, a section in the show that creates sort of a rolling creepy fog that's, uh, that's all about liquid, liquid nitrogen and freezing things and smashing them. And it's, it's big, it's messy, it's sloppy, and it's educational. So, you know, how, how can you go wrong there? Um, so that's one of the science shows. There's another science show that is um, less experiment-based, but but significantly more, um, well, there's a little bit of fantasy to it, where Dr. Dr. Victoria Franklinstein has traveled from far in the future uh, with her 12-foot-tall pumpkin creation, and uh, she is uh, interacting and programming it through the, the basic principles of artificial intelligence, and she uses the audience to, to help program this, this creation of hers. It's not fully mobile because again, it's still in its early stages of, uh, of programming, but there are a couple of surprises in that show that I think are really, really fun. And then probably the thing that I like most about that show is it's got a great photo opportunity afterwards to get uh, your picture taken with Dr. Franklin Stein, who's kind of, um, kind of anime super cool from the future. She's, She's a lot of fun. And uh, that was a great show to work on. I had a great time writing that script and, and working with that, with, uh, that cast. Um, and then another element is a show called uh, Pondering Plasma, which is all about electricity. And that alternates back and forth between the uh, Dr. Franklinstein and her pumpkin lab. Um, it goes back and forth between that. And that's a bunch of electrical experiments so it's it again. It's all science. It's all Halloween, and it's a lot of fun. It's every weekend now through the end of October, um, and and the thing you know, having done Hallow Scream at Bush Gardens for so many years, and so many other haunts that are, you know, drenched in in blood, guts, and gore. Um, some people think, why are you working on events that? are family friendly. How is that in your wheelhouse? Well, I just want to make sure that we've trained the next generation of Halloween goers, because let's face it, if kids enjoy Halloween, then when they become tweens, they will enjoy Halloween. When they become teens, they will enjoy Halloween. And it will keep the haunted attraction industry rolling and having a great time. So I, I, I just think that's important. Uh, plus, it's a great palate cleanser for me. It's a lot of fun. You know, I, you heard me mention Zootampa earlier. I was working on that project as well. And that just opened this weekend. And it's, it's gobs of fun. And, and for the first time, they've actually done a haunted maze to actually sort of a, a graduation from, from the fun kitty stuff up into the, the teens and tween stuff. And it on opening, I was there on opening night and it was great success, great success, but that's not why I'm here. I'm here to talk about Philadelphia. Um, the two other experiences that I've had are, I have nothing to do with, so I can, you know, just, I won't even say review, but I can share with you um, kind of what they are all about and why I probably, for those of you watching the video, I probably look like I'm exhausted because I've been going all day, but it's my day started um, with a visit to the Mutter Museum, M-U-M-U -M -U with an umlau, 
T-T-E-R. So I think it's Mutter. It may be Mutter, Mauter. Anyway, uh, it is a collection that is, um, uh, it's a historic collection actually of things throughout the history of, of medical and specifically medical exploration and experimentation. So it's a, a collection. Uh, there's a huge collection of skulls. There's a collection of um, things that people have either swallowed or inhaled uh, from the late 1800, early 1900s. Um, there, and, and all of these things have been um, preserved and used for scientific research since the mid to late 1800s. It is, as you might expect, amazing and a little creepy and a little off-putting. I mean, let's face it, you know, one of the things that I, I read while I was there that, that fascinated me was so many of these artifacts um, are like dried or dehydrated parts of cadavers, uh, which sounds totally gross or totally cool, depending on your perspective. Um, because they, there. Let's be honest. There's a scientific and and medical fascination, and there's also this sort of goth, dark, and sinister fascination with the Mütter Museum or Mauter Mutter. I don't know. With this museum, um, and, oh, and in fact, I'm even sorry. It's over here. I'm wearing my my umlau umlaut umlaut pin from the museum uh, of M U T T M U with an umlaut T T E R. Anyway. Um, but it, it, unfortunately, uh, out of respect for the people who have given uh, and the families that have given uh, their their body parts are actually entombed there or continue to be utilized there, uh, they don't allow photographs. So I didn't take any pictures. But oh, sorry, back to the drying thing. I read about um, the reason they dry uh, and dehydrate so many parts and pieces is in the training, which is what these pieces were used for, in the training of doctors and nurses, that was the only way they could actually uh, not only, you know, paint and color certain veins and arteries and nerves and that sort of thing. But it also allowed the artifacts to be passed around in classes so that uh, doctors and nurses in training could learn more. Um, the, the interesting thing is that the specimens that are on display are still being uh, utilized to do research. They're also being loaned out to other museums around the world. Um, so if you if you enjoy if you enjoy things like uh, wax models, if there's I will be honest, there's a little bit of a cabinet of curiosity moment that goes on when you walk into this place. Uh, it's there, everything in the main museum is is displayed in glassed in wooden cabinets, and they have they have wax models of of different diseases of the eye, for example, or there's a plaster cast of uh, Chang and Eng, I believe their last name was Bunker, which were the original Siamese twins, the original conjoined twins that were conjoined at the chest. Um, and they did a, after they passed away, they did an autopsy and then they made a plaster cast of their, of their torsos. And that is on display at this museum. Um, I, the, it's just, it's just incredibly eye-opening and gothically creepy. So if you're in Philly, make sure it's only 20 bucks. I mean, it's, it's, it's cheap. It's a, it's a great, I don't know if you're squeamish. I don't know whether I'd go um, because there's a lot of bones. There's a lot of, uh, 
there's a lot of like um fetuses in jars um and i know for some people who see i feel like i could talk about this on um on this podcast because well let's face it we're all about you know the gross and the creepy and the the dark and the sinister um but the thing that just fascinated me is how much i was intrigued from a from a haunter standpoint and then i realized ooh this is real these were real people these were real families and so there was also a at first a little bit of melancholy and then i realized you know what these people's families and and their history their historic misfortunes are continuing to live on and educate people you know for hundreds of years um and now are on display and they're actually kind of like rock stars so um again if you haven't been you should go it's it's a lot of fun because i think you'll enjoy it um another another uh attraction that i went to today and kind of on the last in the last minute um was eastern state penitentiary's uh, new event called Halloween Nights, and uh, you know we've all we've all known of of Eastern State Penitentiary and Terror Behind the Walls for years, and um, I've known many people who have worked on that project, and Brett Bertolino being one of them. And I called him up, or I texted him today, and I I realized that my rehearsals were done a little bit earlier than I thought, and I he was kind enough to uh, to let me come and experience it, and. I have to say it was just a great night of of Halloween and it wasn't it wasn't terror behind the walls which is okay it was something different it was something new and it had all of the or some of the elements from terror behind the walls it did have you know there were haunted attractions that were terrifying and 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 well done and and scary and and of course because it takes place at Eastern State Penitentiary those of you who know anything about me know that I love haunts that take place in real places you know I've done a couple um Undead in the Water and and uh and The Vault of Souls and to to be able to go into this this great location which is truly the star and that is I say that not to take anything away from the actors or anything away from the writers and the creators but to let them to, to to basically say the focus is clearly on the penitentiary and i think that's what the team wanted to do um, they wanted to be a little bit more on brand with uh their day product and to make people aware that it's you know make make haunters aware that it's not just where the haunted attraction happens it is a real uh living piece of history and it's a great um a great way to understand a little bit more about the the penal system and but i but at the same time you know you can't ignore the elephant in the room it's it's really wonderfully creepy when you when you light it properly uh so what they've tried to do the the differences is as i understand is that they have actually incorporated they've actually incorporated uh some things that are not necessarily blood guts and gore scary although there are, you know, I, I believe one, two, three, four different haunted attractions that are clearly the red X. They're clearly scary, and uh, and it was it was great to see them. Uh, I think my favorite was probably the crypt, um, and I believe that's returning from the terror behind the walls days, but I'm not certain. So don't quote me on that. But uh, there's there's a couple of 
great experiences and great rooms in that that uh, I'm not going to talk about because I don't want to ruin them. But you should you should definitely check them out. But the things the unique things that they've added um, they have added uh, for for VIP guests they have added. Um, two different bar experiences. One of them is called Bloodline, which you go through this sort of uh, mini haunt, I would call it, to get into it. That's all vampire themed, as the name would suggest. And then you come across a uh, a vampire bar, which is a concept that's very near and dear to my heart. And you, um, if you have the VIP ticket, you have a, a, a brief cocktail stop there. And uh, then what's really cool about Bloodline is it gives you a VIP entrance directly into the crypt. So um, you can you can travel from one thing to the next and you can bypass the scary if you if you want to, or you can go through all the scary and then experience the 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 lounges and uh, there's a there's a lounge called Trick or Treat, which is not scary. It's just playful and fun. And um, that's anybody can go to that one. Um, but the but bloodline and um the speakeasy which i'm not even going to talk about yet i want to get to that at the end because that was that was super cool um but uh, those are included with the vip ticket um, which again i would strongly recommend if you are of drinking age and and want to make a whole night of it uh the other thing that i think is unique that they've added are there there are dance areas um there are these really, they, they took one of the, the long tunnels. Anybody who's been to Eastern State Penitentiary, which by the way, if you haven't been, you should go and go during the day to learn about the, the museum and then go back at night for Halloween nights for the scary stuff. But they took one of the long sort of almost, I, I call them tunnels, but that's probably not fair. One of the long uh, hallways that has cells on both sides and it, it, they all have curved, uh, curved roofs and they've made it a projection space with this really cool kaleidoscopic sort of trippy projection thing with some some ambient um some ambient edm and it's it's really neat it's really well done um and is it you know is it everything that that eastern state and and terror behind the walls was before no it's some of that a lot of that and then more so um, I think they've done a really nice job of, of finding a way to finding a way to to build upon what they've what they're really known for, um, and I think that's great. Uh, what else did they do? Oh, they had um, they had a whole uh, a whole graveyard section that had uh, had hip hop dancers in it, and you could get um, food. It, it appears to be outside vendor food trucks. I'm assuming. Um, so you can grab a nosh. Basically, what you can do is it's not just <coughs> excuse me, it's not just a bunch of scares. It is a full Halloween celebration. So I think Halloween nights is is the right name for it. I think it appeals to a broader demographic, and I think it stays on brand for the the mission of of the museum itself a little bit better. But so my favorite part was the the speakeasy. Um, which is again part of the VIP ticket, but it's the speakeasy in Al Capone's cell, um, or just outside of Al Capone's cell, and it, it was it was just a great because it's at the end. It was kind of a great way for me to to finish off the night, and I really appreciated being able to to sit down um, 
have a, a beverage and listen to a, a great sort of 1920s style singer. And everybody in there was in their, their 20s garb and they were all themed appropriately, just like the vampires were themed in the Bloodline um, Lounge. The Everybody was themed in 1920s in the speakeasy. And once again, if you know my work, you know that I love the 1920s. So kudos, kudos to Eastern State Penitentiary. Eastern State Penitentiary for, uh, can you tell it's been a long day? Yeah, I can. Uh, for for reinventing themselves and reinventing themselves in a pandemic year, which I know was not easy. Um, it's been It's been a lot of fun. Now, in all fairness, I apologize to the other Philly haunts or the other Philly Halloween attractions that I have not talked about in this episode. Um, I wish I had more time here. I'm only here for two nights and, uh, I, I, and I'm working, to be honest. So I, I didn't have the chance to experience a whole lot. So this really shouldn't be these things that I experienced in Philly. These should be the things focused on Center City that I actually had a chance to do. All right. But I know there's plenty here and there's there's you know plenty going on. And quite honestly, those of you who normally listen to the show are probably bleary eyed and don't have time to listen to the show anyway. So you won't listen to this until way later. But um, I, I'm just I'm excited to be here. I'm thrilled to be working on the projects, at, the project, at, well, projects, because I'll be back for Christmas at uh, at Franklin Institute. And I just wanted to give a shout out and let you know, you know, a Scott in the Dark has not gone away. I am still I am still around. I've just been super busy. Um, speaking of super busy, one of the things that is coming up that I want to talk about just briefly, not in Philadelphia, not in Center City, is uh, I have. Um, the largest ex exhibition of my paintings and artwork coming up. Cause I have, I have one painting right now. I have one painting that is part of the into the fog art show um, in California at Knott's, which I'm really excited. Um, I don't know whether it's sold or not. So hopefully it's still there. Well, hopefully for you, if you want to go see it. Um, but there, I did also a series of signed limited edition. They're all signed and numbered limited edition prints of the, the painting as well. So if you're in California, go check that out. But if you're in Tampa, uh, coming up on, I believe it opens on the 15th of October, 2021, if you're listening to this later. Um, and I have been asked to display my, my Dark Side of Beauty artwork in the lobby of Stageworks Theater for the run of their show, Evil Dead, the musical. And I will, I'll be installing it earlier in the week uh, of the 15th and uh, all the stuff will be for sale. I'll also be there to um, sell and sign copies of my, my book, Awake in the Dark, um, which is my dark poetry book that I also did the paintings for. Plus I've got some limited edition um, limited edition signed prints. If you buy an original, I'll be happy to, to dedicate it on the back and, and remark it for you. Um, so anyway, uh, come see a great musical, come see my artwork uh, at the show. And uh, I'm, I'm really, it's great to have a reason to paint because it's, that's my, that's really my therapy. And I haven't had a lot of time to do it in October this year because I've been kind of busy. Um, also coming up, on October 22nd is the opening of the Vault of Souls. Yes, it's coming back. It's been dormant for two years and the spirits, or three years, and the spirits have uh, insisted that it return. So that will be back in Tampa as well. 
Um, I know this is a shorter episode than I normally do, but uh, let's face it, we're all busy. So hopefully it'll work with your schedule because it certainly works with mine. Until next time, this is Scott Swenson from A Scott in the Dark saying, rest in peace. Peace.